Well, today we wrap up our New Year's series. It's a January series for the new year. We're talking about why not now. And uh, we wrap up with part four, family. Take an inventory of our family. Thinking about family, I think of some family messages on a signboard outside a restaurant in Austin, Texas, just actually outside of this restaurant in Austin, Texas. It's called the El Arroyo Restaurant. And this restaurant is at a busy intersection. Uh, Rick and Gail, have you ever seen the El Arroyo? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You've seen the El Arroyo restaurant when you're down there? Maybe others have seen the El Arroyo restaurant. They have this big signboard for people that are driving by to, uh, to receive their messages. And here's a couple family-related messages. Here was what one signboard said. Just told my kids I'm older than Google. They think I'm joking. <laughs> no, I'm not joking. <laughs> here's another one related to the family. How did parents get their toddlers to eat before airplanes were invented? Now, come on. You've done that, parents, right? Right? Come on now. You got your, you got your fork or your spoon with some food on it. Come on now, Johnny. Open up. Airplane's coming in. Come on. Open up now, Johnny. Here comes the airplane. What, what did parents do before airplanes were invented anyway? You know, what did they say? Um, I, I'm not really sure. Here's another one. Uh, my mama didn't raise no fool, but if she did, it was my brother. Now, no, no poking, Ruby, easy, easy on your brothers there. I see that look, I see, <laughs> I see that look. Uh, and then the last one in terms of uh, a signboard outside of El Royal, a restaurant. You don't have to be crazy to work here, we'll train you. <laughs> you don't have to be crazy to work here, we'll train you. Well, when it comes to most families, I think we'd say that all of us have a little crazy in our families, right? Some of us have a lot of crazy, some of us have a little crazy, but all of us have some crazy. Maybe we have a crazy uncle or a crazy aunt or a crazy grandma or a, a crazy mom or a crazy dad. Uh, generally speaking, there's a little crazy in every family. But here's the thing. Uh, families are the primary source of love, care, learning, growth, and development, but families are also, can be also a source of great pain, hurt, and brokenness. So let's do a little inventory this morning about family. And I've been encouraging us in this series, Why Not Now, to lean into the month of January as an inventory month. Not just one day of January, not just one week of, of January, but the whole month of January. We've been looking at four key relationships and taking inventory of our relationship in these four areas. Let's refresh. Week number one, uh, first things first. Uh, your relationship with Jesus, how's it going? Is Jesus the center of your circle? This circle representing your life. Is Jesus the center of your circle, or have you, is your life so consumed by so many other things, so many other priorities, so, so much busyness, so much clutter, so many other things you're doing that Jesus is, is, is pushed to the edge of your circle, the edge of your life, or even you've pushed him outside your circle? For those of you that are reading the Gospels as part of getting Jesus the center of your circle, we're done with Matthew, right? For those of you joining me in reading the Gospels, Matthew's done. We're heading into Mark. Week number two, uh, are you five for five? Are you five for five? This relates to your relationship with your church. For those of you that are committed here to Asbury, your relationship with Asbury, are you five for five? What does that mean? Prayers, presence, 
gifts, service, and witness. Those are the five dimensions of your commitment to your church. You pray and be present and give service and uh, gifts and witness. Are you five for five? Last week, friends, as we take inventory of our friendships, sometimes we have to tweak, adjust, add, subtract in our friendship circles, in our group of friends, friendships, and today, family. Take inventory of your relationship with your family. And your family might be, might include a, a spouse, might include kids, might include parents, might include aunts or uncles, cousins, might include a grandma or a grandpa. But as you think about your family, how is your relationship with your family? Uh, one dad decided he was going to teach his kids a life lesson, important life lesson. And so he brings his four kids into the kitchen and he takes uh, four mason jars and takes, puts these four mason jars out on the kitchen table. In the first mason jar is whiskey. In the second mason jar is cigarette smoke. In the third mason jar is uh, chocolate syrup. And in the fourth mason jar, there's good, rich topsoil. Then he takes four earthworms, and he puts an earthworm in each of those four jars, right? Drops an earthworm in the whiskey, drops an earthworm in the uh, cigarette smoke, drops an earthworm in the, in the chocolate syrup, and drops an earthworm in the topsoil, and then he seals up the lid of the, each mason jar. Well, uh, the results uh, are inevitable. The first three earthworms, the one in the whiskey, one in the cigarette smoke, and the one in the chocolate syrup all die. But the one in the rich, good topsoil lives. He then looks at his kids and says, what important life lesson could be drawn from this illustration? And his teenage son says, well, Dad, I guess if you... Uh, if you don't, uh, I guess, Dad, that if you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't get worms. Is that, is that the life lesson, Dad? That was not quite the takeaway that Dad was hoping for. <laughs> but I've been there. You know, you wanted to teach your kids some profound truth, some illustration, something, some lesson, and it kind of falls flat. <laughs> Or they take a very different meaning from what you're trying to communicate, what you're trying to teach. As we take inventory this morning, know this. Every family has potential to experience really high highs and really low lows. Every family has potential to experience really high highs and really low lows. Jesus was a part of a family now, we came out of Christmas, so we know Mary and Joseph, right? He had parents. He had earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, absolutely. But did you know he had more than that? Can you imagine being Mary and Joseph, the parents of Jesus? <laughs> and, and Joseph tells Jesus to go take a bath. Go take a bath, son. Ten minutes later, Joseph goes to check on Jesus, cracks open the door, and there's Jesus moonwalking on the surface of the water in the bathtub. No, son, you have to get in the water to get the dirt off. Can you imagine being the parents of Jesus? Can you imagine being a sibling to Jesus? Did you know Jesus had four brothers? Where is it found in the Bible? Matthew, 
We read it in Matthew. For those of us reading the Matthew the Gospels, Matthew 13, verse 55. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Four brothers. Did, do, do you, did you know that Jesus had sisters? We don't know how many sisters, but he at least had two. Next verse. Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all these things? All this wisdom that he was, that he was sharing with them. So he at least had two sisters because it says plural. So he at least had, he had four brothers and at least two sisters. So can you imagine being a part of Jesus' family? Jesus, I'm sure, and his family experienced really high highs and really low lows. Jesus was also close to another family. Let's talk about another family. Uh, Miss Heather was talking about it with the kids, about the family of uh, Lazarus and Mary and Martha, two sisters and a brother. Very special family, and a very special family to Jesus. We don't know about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, their parents. Maybe they were, uh, had deceased, maybe they were dead at, by this point in Jesus' life and in their life, we're not sure, but we do know that Jesus had a very close relationship with them. Verse 1 of John 11. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother, Lazarus, was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to, to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is sick. Your dear friend. So Jesus had a very close friendship with this family, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were actually like a second family to Jesus. He would oftentimes, with his disciples, stay in their home when he was in Bethany, which is near Jerusalem. We see that throughout the Gospels. Verse 5. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. After learning that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for the next two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. So Judea is where Bethany, Bethany is and where Jerusalem is. Let's go back there and see him. Verse 11. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep but now I will go and wake him up. This is Jesus saying, now I'll go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They, they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. That's interesting. I'm glad I wasn't there to see my friend die. But he says, I'm glad I wasn't there, but now you will really believe. Come, let's go. Jesus was about to do something big, and he knew it. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went 
to meet him, left her home in Bethany, went outside the city limits to, to meet him. But Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, upon meeting him, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. So do you get the picture? Martha and Mary are grieving. Martha, they hear Jesus is coming to town. Martha goes out to meet him, and Martha is grieving. She is, she is sad and troubled, but she's also upset. Do you catch that? She says, Jesus, if you had been here, you would have done something. I mean, you would have touched him. You would have healed him. If you would have been here, my brother would not have died. In the midst of the sadness and the grief, she was also upset. They, they co-mingle when we lose somebody, when there's loss, when there's grief, when there's an accident, when there, right, there, there is grief and sadness, but oftentimes we're also angry and upset. This close family was experiencing grief. Has your family experienced grief? Loss of a loved one? Someone close to you? I'm sure that that includes all of us. Some level, some degree, doesn't it? It includes all of us. And it hurts. It's hard. It's painful. And maybe you are currently going through that. Maybe you're currently in the midst of loss, grief, anger, or being upset. Our family this last week remembered the day um, three years ago when Wendy's brother Brian and his son, our nephew Caden, were tragically killed in a car accident. We were on our way back from Belize that year. I found out about it in the airport later the day in the morning that Wendy found out. And so we remembered, and we grieve, or we grieve again. We miss them in our family circle. And so I imagine that if there are family circles, the grief uh, that, that you experience. Martha was grieving, the brother had died. And then, and then Mary goes out to meet Jesus. If you track along in John chapter 11, Mary goes out to meet Jesus. And when verse 32 of John chapter 11, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, same thing as her sister said. She said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. We believe in you, Lord. We, we know you could have done something, Lord. She's, she's upset that why didn't Jesus show up in time? Uh, and, that's, and, and maybe you've experienced that. It's okay. Maybe you've cried out, Lord, why didn't you show up? You could have prevented it. You could have intervened. You could have touched a situation. You could have healed her. You could have healed him. Where were you? Why didn't you show up? That, you know, that's part of the loss and the grief that we see here from Mary and Martha. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping, and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. And then verse 35, then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, wow, see how much he loved him? Close family connection. Jesus loved that family, loved Lazarus. 
if you have something going on today in your family, something that's causing you grief, something causing you sadness, something that's causing you to be upset or angry, something that is maybe it's a stress or some misunderstanding, Whatever is bothering you, whatever is troubling you, whatever is bothering, troubling your family, please know this, Jesus is bothered and troubled also. Because Jesus, when he saw the, 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 the tomb of Lazarus, when he realized that Lazarus had died, when he saw the heartbreak of Mary and Martha, what does it say he did? Verse 35, he wept. He wept. Now, I don't know, um, for some of you who have been through confirmation, uh, when, we, when I ask kids to pick out a life verse, I always tell them they can't pick out John 11.35. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Three words here in the New Living Translation. Other translations say two words, uh, Jesus wept. And invariably, somebody will say, well, that's my verse. I'm gonna, I'll memorize that verse. I said, no, no, it's got to be more than two, two words. My son Connor said, I'll memorize that verse. I said, son, no, no, no. More than, more than two words, son. So he got one with about like six words or something like that. <laughs> um, but he, here's, here's my thing. I want to encourage all of you to use that verse today. I want to encourage all of you to use that verse today because when you struggle, Jesus struggles. When you suffer, Jesus suffers. When you cry, Jesus cries. Jesus wept because Mary and Martha were weeping because their brokenness, hurt, and grief. What did Martha say to Jesus? Verse 22 uh, that I intentionally left until now. Martha in verse 21 said, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. Come on, Lord, you could have done something, right? Verse 22 says, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you asked. I still believe in you, Jesus. And I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Come on, Jesus. She is, is, is confessing and professing her faith that Jesus can still do something. When you struggle or suffer or are troubled, when you are angry, upset, are grieving over the loss of someone, call on Jesus. Lean into Jesus. Don't lean away from Jesus. Lean toward him. We pray because God can do things we cannot do. We pray because God can do things that we cannot do. The Bible says God can move mountains. Is there a mountain in your family today? Is there, what, what, what is the mountain that your family is experiencing today? Does it seem like it's too big, too insurmountable, an obstacle or challenge that cannot be overcome? You're right. It can't be unless God gets in. Unless God gets involved, unless God helps out. Last section of Scripture, verse 38. Um, Jesus was still angry. Another translation says, Jesus was once more deeply moved as he arrived at the tomb, a cave where the stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. 
But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so they'll know what's going on here. All these people standing here, so that they will believe that you sent me, that I am the Christ. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. (laughs) I, I kind of, in my imagination, think, I'm glad that Jesus said Lazarus come out because what if Jesus would not have been specific about calling Lazarus out? Then maybe all the dead people in a five-mile radius would have like risen from the dead or something if he just would have said, come out. You know, like, whoa. He said, Lazarus, come out. Verse 44. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him go. (laughs) Man, don't you wish you would have been there to see this happen in front of your eyes? The people are like, wide-eyed, whoa. (laughs) These two sisters who are grieving and at a loss, these two sisters who are angry and upset because Jesus didn't show up soon enough, now are filled with joy, or have their hearts filled with laughter, have their hearts filled with un- un- unexplainable joy, and seeing their brother who they loved and Jesus loved now coming out alive. When you are grieving or sad or upset or troubled in your life or in your family, call on Jesus. Jesus brings new life. Jesus resurrects life. Jesus restores life. Jesus heals. Jesus renews. Um, That that verse 44, again, I just want to highlight one other point. Verse 44, one more time. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a head cloth, and Jesus said, unwrap him and let him go. Jesus on your outline, if you're following along on your outline, Jesus invites the crowd to participate in setting Lazarus free. You see that? Have you ever seen that before? Jesus invites them to participate in setting Lazarus free. Jesus says, you go up there. I've done my part. Now you do your part. Go up there and unwrap him and let him go. And I don't know for a fact, because it doesn't say, but I bet Mary and Martha are like, yeah. Let me help you. Let me help you, brother. And I bet Mary and Martha were one of the first ones up there unwrapping some of the grave clothes from their brother Lazarus, setting him free. That's the joy of families. We get to participate in what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants families to participate in his healing, families to participate in setting people free, setting, for families to participate in letting people loose from their grave clothes. And that's the role of the church family. The church is a family that we get to participate in new life. We get to participate in resurrection. We get to help other people experience deliverance and wholeness. New life has come, it's been restored. 
That's what Jesus and your family can do. So take inventory of your relationships today. Your relationships with your family, whatever the makeup of your family is. Are there troubles pulling you apart? What is bothering you? What's troubling you? Just know that it also bothers and troubles Jesus. And uh, as with Lazarus, Jesus can bring life and healing and resurrection and love to your home. That's God's plan for the family. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your son, Jesus. We're so thankful for his intervention with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We're so thankful for this compelling encounter and the life lessons that we can gain from it today for our lives, for our families, and for our church. I pray that you would touch every family that's here this morning. I just pray that you would bring renewal and strength and uh, adjustment correction, love, and blessing to every heart and every home. In Jesus' name, amen.